This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Last week I talked to you about um, the importance of going and being part of a, a body of believers church. And today I want to talk to you about the Bible. In Matthew 22, verse 29, it says, Jesus told the elites of his day that they understand neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Matthew 22, verse 29. Hebrews 4.12 says that the Bible is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. A few weeks ago, we talked about how why we think the church progressed so quickly in the first century. Was it just because they were complete obedience? Was it because they heard the command to go and make disciples? And I was trying to uh, share with you that it's possible because they saw themselves as part of the story that God had scripted. And we talked about how as a church we need to grow up and mature that we begin to place ourselves, where do we fit in the story and not how to make the story fit into our lives. And if you remember, we talked about right after the resurrection, Jesus was on the road to Emmaus and and he comes into contact with two disciples And what does he do? He begins, basically, to tell them about the prophecies and what the prophets had said based on Scripture. I may not say this later on, but I want to make sure that that you hear what I said, that Jesus believed in Scripture. Of course, he only had the Old Testament at the time. He quotes it, quotes it all over the place. So what do we know about the the Bible, and how do we know if it's true? In Western society, which is what we are part of, it's basically divided into three groups. Group number one are people who respect the Bible as the truth, but they don't follow it. The second group are people who believe and follow it devoutly, devoutly. They believe the Bible, and they follow it. And I pray that everybody in this room is in that category. There's a third category, that people that reject it as simply as a book of legends and myths. However, things are changing. The first group of people who believe it but aren't following it, that group statistically is getting smaller. And the relationship between group two, those who believe the Bible and are following it, and the relationship with the group that believes it's just a book of myths and legends is changing. Back in the day, maybe when I was young and growing up, if you believed in the Bible, your neighbors maybe aren't believers, they probably disagreed with you, explained to you why they couldn't believe in the Bible, but they left you alone and You go your way, and I'll go my way, is what they would basically said. Today, the Bible is 
publicly attacked as a cruel, oppressive uh, book, and they oppose um, any truthfulness that might come out of it. So there's a tremendous amount of pressure um, of those who are in group two that believe it and want to live according to it. There's a tremendous amount of pressure to abandon it. To abandon historic, and this is important, and I know I encourage you to write notes, but to abandon the historic understanding and inspiration and authority of the scripture and the role it should play in our lives. That's the pressure. It's an old book, always abandon it. The Bible is the best-selling book in history, as many of you probably already know that. It's revered by Christians as God's holy word. The Bible spans many centuries of history, contains a variety of literary styles, and culminates, I write here, in the person of Jesus Christ. But how do we know that the Bible is true? How do we know that it's true? Is it more than just a collection of stories and myths? Some people would say even if it contains some history, there's no way we can trust it completely. These are questions you and I have to answer. People are asking that question of us. It's not enough to know about the five stones in the sling or Joan and the big fish. We have to answer some more serious questions about the Bible. Now, the Bible didn't come, and, and this might be some, some of you, this might be a review, or you've never known, but the Bible didn't arrive to humanity as a complete book. Sometime in history, all of a sudden, a book arrived, and uh, I'll just stick to the script. I was going to say something funny, but I'll stick to the script. The Bible was written over some 1,500 years by a number of authors, Although we view it as one book, it's really a collection of many books. However, there's a common thread and theme. Even though we call it God's word, it was not physically written by God. Instead, God chose to use everyday people inspired by God to record what we now as believers call the Bible. When you look at the Old Testament... And there's two big sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is primarily talking about God as the creator and his dealings with his chosen people, the Hebrews or the Jewish people. And the New Testament contains the record of the first century accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus and the struggles the church faced in a hostile culture. In the Old Testament, and this is important, God, you'll see if you read it, will part the Red Sea. I remember in my religion class at Western Carolina, my professor told me it was the Reed Sea and not the Red Sea. Anybody ever hear that before? And let me just tell you, it threw me for a loop. You know, when I was, uh, at that time I was probably 18 years old, I knew how to raise my hands for the Lord. I knew how to jump for the Lord. I was very good at that. 
pray in the spirit in the Lord, but I had no clue how to defend God's word. Or actually, I didn't even know how to live, live out my life for Jesus. It took about two months before I stumbled into my selfish, sinful pit. But I remember that religion teacher was telling me about there was more than one Goliath. And I'm like, what? And she shared and showed me where. And then uh, that it wasn't the Red Sea, but it was the Reed Sea. But in the Old Testament, God parts the Red Sea, allowing his people to escape the angry Egyptians. And later on, we see in the book of Joshua, the sun actually stands still. Then we'll see in Jonah, the prophet is being swallowed up by a large fish. And then we fast forward into the New Testament. The blind actually see there's a virgin birth. Jesus walks on water. Jesus is executed on the cross. He dies. And then three days later, comes back to life. And these are true stories, but are difficult for many to believe. And the question I have is, why? I think partly is because we live in what I would say is a naturalistic age. Meaning we only believe in the material world. Miracles are doubted. I think of the famous actor in Nacho Libre, Escaleto. He says, I don't believe in God. I believe in what? Science. It's a great line. The supernatural part of the Bible, or anything beyond the natural world, is dismissed. It's regulated to myths. And often causes doubt of the Bible. So can we trust it to be true? Are we really expected as believers to believe the supernatural events it records? Again, we live in a world that's biased against these miracles. And it wants to erase these miracles out of existence. Rather than thinking and asking questions to themselves, is it possible? Are these miracles possible? Which leads us to another question, is what is truth? A lot of times, what is truth can come across as a very deep philosophical puzzle that only really, really smart people can answer. But I want to contend to you that it's not that hard. Because truth corresponds with what's real. So what is true is real, and what's real is true, and what is unreal is false. So if you're thinking about the miracles, you have to begin to process them. Are these possible? Are they true, or are they false? The Bible makes some very distinctive truth claims. Number one, I think is the most important. It's the foundation. That God exists. The second thing I think there's some distinctive truth claims is that God created this world. Now we can talk about how he created, but that's not for today. Years and years ago, uh, Dr. Christopher, Dr. Pete, 
and uh, Kyle, who is part of our staff, we did a class, Rock of Ages and Ages of Rocks. Fantastic. Begin to, begin to uh, talk about this truth that God exists and God created the world. This is also true, that God chose to communicate with us through his creation, through our moral conscience, and then via the word of God in the Bible, and he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. Jesus claims, claimed to be God in the flesh, and he is the only way for human beings to be saved through him, John 14, 6. Jesus says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Of course, as Christians, we believe that the death and resurrection is key to our belief. These claims are based on reality. But you should ask the question, how? We are not going to answer all your questions on this Sunday morning sermonette. That's why we leave it for Wednesday night. If you have some deep questions, uh, join us on Wednesday. We can talk about these more. So we say as Christians that God really does exist, and we have ways we can't emphatically prove it. Nobody can. But there's some, some truths that we can point to. Yes. Jesus is not a myth. And the resurrection really happened. But how do we know this? So here's the thing. You can't quote the Bible to prove the Bible. I've done that too many times. I remember on campus uh, doing some evangelism, and this question came up, and I would just quote other scriptures. And the guy kept yelling at me, you can't do that. But I didn't know what I couldn't do. I didn't know what I was doing. Quoting the Bible to prove the Bible assumes the Bible is true. And that's a point of contention for many, and it's a great discussion. But if the Bible can be shown to be a reliable document, accurately recording and transmitted through history from God to us, then we can build a strong case that the Bible is indeed true. I don't know if you know this, but we have copies of manuscripts. When I say we, I'm talking about the Christian church. I don't have a copy of them. I can find pictures of them. We have copies of manuscripts, and throughout history, these copies show that the Bible has been transmitted accurately. Despite common skeptical claims about how often the Bible is changed through the centuries, that is false. But don't take my word for it. Do your own research. The New Testament records, records are incredibly accurate. Yes, there are some minor differences in the manuscripts. They call them variants. But none of the variances impact the change in the Christian message of Jesus Christ and his claims. Wikipedia says this. Parts of the New Testament have been preserved in more manuscripts than any. Listen to this. The New Testament has, has been preserved in more manuscripts than any other ancient work. There are over 5,800 completed 
or fragmented Greek manuscripts, 10,000 Latin manuscripts, and 9,300 manuscripts in various other ancient languages. So there's a lot of history that you can go to if you understood the language and read and see. I like what it says here. Has been preserved more manuscripts than any other ancient work. There's other physical evidence includes archaeological finds. Archaeology continues to prove what the Bible had to say and it corresponds to historical reality. There are other reasons we can trust the Bible and evidence of the Bible is true. They have to do with internal consistencies. Even though the Bible was written over many centuries by different writers, the message it contains is coherent and consistent. The Bible presents a coherent theology and worldview and presents this material consistently. I write here, it can be shown that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John present an accurate record of the life and ministry of Jesus. There are a lot of complaints about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, how they don't absolutely line up. The stories are a little different. But you have to figure out why. And there's a good reason. They're a little different. But they basically say the same thing. So if the Bible has been shown to be reliable... This line of reasoning is no longer circular, but rational. What, what, does the, what does Jesus say about his word? He says that the scriptures cannot be broken in John chapter 10, 35. In Matthew 5, 17, it says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not to come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. As I said earlier, Jesus trusted in the Old Testament scriptures, in the law and the prophets. Jesus said many times, it is written, and he writes here, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4. We don't have time to thoroughly investigate Jesus in the Bible, but you can have time. The cornerstone of personal life is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is it. Paul, the Apostle Paul in the Bible says, listen, if Jesus didn't raise, was not raised from the dead, then what are we doing, basically? 1 Corinthians 5.17. So this morning, I want to challenge us as we begin to read the book that was my sermon three, four weeks ago. Don't wait for the movie. Read it. And you and I as believers will have to determine, is this true? If it's not true, Jesus wasn't really raised from the dead. Uh, then we just have a really nice club of nice people. But we're not a club of just nice people. We are followers of Jesus, and we have a, God has a plan for us in his storyline. And so you can rely on the Bible, but I wouldn't take my word for it. 
I would do your own research because it is a question that many people are asking. So this part is important as I finish. Our view of the Bible really doesn't matter. Some people think it only matters to get strength and insight from. It's like reading back in the days in the 90s, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Anybody remember those books? The Bible is not that. But some people look at it like that. You know, they'll pull out a nice little scripture out of Psalms. You know, Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you just like, you know, take a little, just to give you a little boost for the day. Some people think it only matters to get strength and insight from. And then they say that's enough. If we follow that line of reasoning, they remove many miracles of the Bible and then basically treat them as myths. And this is a mistake, especially, especially when it comes to the resurrection of Christ. About 10 years ago, maybe even longer, I was at a Veritas uh, forum here at Florida State, and I was shocked uh, because one of the debaters said he was a Christian, but he didn't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm like, well, what's he doing then? You know, why, is, why would you call yourself a Christian if you don't believe in the physical death and the physical resurrection? But he called himself a Christian. It's almost like saying, I am a pork-eating vegetarian. Can you imagine? Well, I'm a vegetarian, but every blue moon, like once a week, I'll eat steak. You can't do that. I know a few vegetarians, and they'd be a little miffed if I said I was a meat-eating vegetarian. Because they, they can't, it doesn't make sense. So, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is supernatural. But it's, we can look at it with reason and believe that it's true. Our view of the Bible matters immensely. Your view of the Bible matters immensely. Genesis chapter 1 matters immensely. Especially the claims that it makes when Jesus says, I am the way, the only way, that matters immensely. The words that we read in the Bible, hopefully the ones that you and I read in the Bible, hinge on how we respond to Christ. If you don't take his word seriously, the, ch the chances of you taking the words of Christ seriously are very slim. So this morning, I want to challenge us to read his word, but study how do we know it's true. I'm not afraid of you doing your research. Because throughout the years, I've had to do my own research. 
even after I went off to theology school and Bible school, I still had to do my research. I talked to a guy from North Carolina, and I remember every blue moon, I'll, I'll wake up and like, I have given my life completely to a, a Palestinian guy that lived 2,000 years ago. <laughs> that sounds a little strange. <laughs> and then the Lord just begins to help me with why I do that. But on paper, when you say it out loud, it sounds a little like it's, it's not based on reality. But we know that Jesus is true, not because we just feel it, although we do feel it, but we can trust in his word and we know it to be true. And you can do your own studies. Amen. It's 12 o'clock. I'm not careful. The kids will be thrown up the stairs. <laughs> Robin's done down there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you that, uh, wow, we're blessed to have the written scripture right in front of us electronically. Uh, Lord, in my office, I have probably 10, 15 different types of Bibles. And Lord, uh, much is given, much is required. Lord, I've heard stories of Christian prisoners in, in Asia, a big country in Asia, and they, they maybe get one sheet of a Bible they can smuggle in, and that's all they have. Where I'm reminded of Marin Laszlo, who just who passed from this life into your presence this past week when she wrote the New Testament in this native village language. And when the Bible arrived, they all celebrate the word of God is here. The word of God is here. So Lord, help us to be good readers of your word. And Lord, help us to study. And Lord, also study, is the word reliable? Is the Bible reliable? Because people have this question where we want to be ready to answer the best we can. We say thank you, Father, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. May the Lord be with you. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.